0: and welcome to 1001 Reasons to be Afraid of the Dark. I'm Chelsea. I'm Dolan. Every episode we will tell each other a story and that will give us more reasons to be afraid of the dark or humans or all things that go bump in the night.
1: These are either true crime stories or the reportings of a paranormal story. We will try and present each story with actual facts and reportings. We will tell you if these are myths or rumors associated with the story and give you the truth about what terrifying things actually happened?
0: Now we both work full time in healthcare, so weekly episodes might be a little tough right now, but we'll try for bi weekly, so possibly <laughs> monthly. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Now, Don and I are foodies, and in true fashion, we both brought snacks to eat, uh, because what better way to shove your fears aside than eating tasty foods? So, what food are you hiding your fears in tonight, Don?
1: A little bit of chocolate-covered almonds, and if things get spicy, maybe some Doritos sweet chili heat. Nice, nice.
0: How about I, you? I was going to make cookies and have nice warm cookies, but my story has a weird thing about cookies at the end and I got
1: a little weirded out after that realization, so it's just gonna be ice cream. <laughs> Ooh. This is fun. I feel like this is like, we should be hurtled around a campfire. Right? <laughs> so good. I feel like I should be holding a flashlight under my face. <laughs> Once upon a time.
0: <laughs> so I'm telling a story that the Chicago Tribune called the Mad Murderer of the West, which... As someone who's not American, I was really confused by that because all of the states are in the middle of the country, not the west. Uh, But apparently anything west of the mountains is the west in the states. That's
1: what I learned. Okay, new things that I learned too.
0: Right? Wow. (laughs) Okay, so our story begins in Colorado Springs. In 1909, the Modern Woodmen of America opened a 1,000-acre sanatorium for members with tuberculosis. Mr. Henry Wayne was a member of the Modern Women of America, moved to Colorado Springs with his family so he could go to or work in the sanitarium. A lot of the research isn't very clear as to whether he had tuberculosis himself or if he was just an employee there um, with the Modern Woodmen. Henry met a man there named Arthur Burnham, who worked in the kitchen. Arthur lived and worked at the sanitarium six days a week, and was only able to go home to his family on Thursdays if he was well enough. Oh my gosh. Yeah. His family lived in a small two-room cottage a few miles away in the town. The neighboring cottage was vacant, so he offered it to Henry for his family to live in. So in the Wayne family, we have Henry, his wife Blanche, or Blanche, depending on... (laughs) where you're from, I guess, and their one-year-old daughter, Lulu May. In the Burnham family, we have Arthur, his wife, Alice May, their son, John, and daughter, Nellie. On September 4th, 1911, the Modern Woodsmen hosted a Labor Day picnic in Colorado Springs. Now, according to Google, the Modern Woodsmen of America is a tax-exempt fraternal benefit society, which sounds kind of made up. (laughs)
1: It does.
0: So the membership organization sells life insurance, annuity, and investment products to help fund member benefits and social, educational, and volunteer programs that meet community needs. So apparently sanitariums and Labor Day picnics.
1: Okay, okay.
0: (laughs) Now both Henry and Arthur were members of the Modern Women. On the morning of September 20th, 1911, Blanche's sister, Nettie, came by because they were supposed to do some sewing together. She found the doors to be locked and all the curtains drawn. And when she entered the cottage, she found Blanche, John, and Nellie had been slain in their sleep with an axe. Oh my god. Their heads had been bludgeoned with an axe and then covered in bedclothes post-mortem.
1: Where was Lizzie Borden?
0: <laughs> Not here. Oh my god. Alice May had been struck four times in the head. She was laying beside her son John in bed. Nellie was found at the foot of the bed, across her mother's legs. It's assumed that she tried to crawl away from the killer before being struck herself. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Nellie's face was covered, but her body was exposed, whereas John and Alice May were fully covered. Weird. Yeah. In the kitchen, Sunday's dishes were still on the table. There was a small pile of ashes on the floor in front of the stove. The house was entered through the eastern window where the screen had been cut open. The killer knocked over a bottle of black liquid that was on the sill, which appeared to be ink or shoe polish. It looked like the killer had attempted to clean up the spill. There was also a bowl with two black fingerprints on it the bowl was filled with bloody water where the killer presumably cleaned up after himself. Mm. After the discovery of the Burnham family, word spread like wildfire, because it's a very small town, and soon most of the town was outside of the house. Now, it was noticed that the Wayne home next door remained oddly silent, uh, especially since they were friends with the Burnhams, and all of their windows were covered as well, and the doors were locked. What so were they up to? It, in the Wayne home, a very similar scene was found an hour later. Oh, uh. Henry's frontal bones of his face and skull had collapsed from the attack. Uh. Mm-hmm. Uh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. Um, Blanche had been lying on her side and was struck once with the blade of the axe to her temple and once with
1: the blunt end. Uh, Sorry, it's just, like, really gross. (laughs) Just, like, talking about, like... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, don't worry. I've had that, too. It was, like, almost gut rot when you're talking about, like, what exactly... And then just the amount of force someone could give... Right? ...to, like, make your skull just go concave. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The (sighs) one-year-old
0: daughter was also slain. The Waynes were allegedly removed of their clothing, although their faces were covered in Mm bedclothes. Blanche had borrowed an axe from a neighbor a few days prior to chop some wood and had left it resting against the back of the house. Earlier that morning, the neighbor had come to retrieve the axe, but since no one answered the door and it was sitting outside, she picked up and took it home. It was covered in blood, but she just assumed it was chicken's blood.
1: Uh, Oh, well, yeah, I guess that would be the norm back then.
0: Yeah, and because it was her axe, she's like, okay, well, I'll just, you know, it's mine anyway, so I'll just pick it I'll up just and take, take it. And
1: it's mine.
0: Yeah, she didn't know people were dead everywhere. Um, no valuables had appeared to be taken from either house. All windows were covered and doors were locked. The killer took a house key upon exit and locked the door behind them. Now the glass chimneys, so like the glass part of the oil lamp, had been removed and like set aside. Um, now they were dusted for prints but no details as to why were ever officially recorded for this murder. Mm. Arthur Burnham was the immediate suspect, as he was the only person not dead, but he was a couple miles up the road at the sanitarium, and was barely able to walk on his own since he had tuberculosis and was very sick. So, there's no way he could have wielded an axe. Let yeah, alone let alone leave, move the hospital. Throughout, yeah, leave the hospital and move throughout two homes without being detected. Hmm. Um, several other community members were haphazardly accused, but nothing was ever substantial by any means. A partially burned Sunday paper was found later, but no report of evidence or any other official documentation exists. Nettie, the sister of Alice May, had reported that a couple nights prior to the murder... Nellie had said there was someone peeping in through their windows. Due to the very small size of the cottages, with like are two-room houses, that's it, and each room was only about 190 square feet tops. So for someone to sneak in, wielding an axe with such force indicates that he would have been a smaller statue, Now, like, still like maybe 5'6 to 5'8", Uh, But very quick and efficient with such a weighted object, so perhaps someone who worked at the nearby railways or a miner would have had the strength and experience for that. Now, in Monmouth, Illinois, William and Charity Dawson had 11 children, which is something to be afraid of personally, anyway. (laughs) So
1: That just took like a wind out of me. Like, how do people right? do this? Right? I'm like, oh, my insides hurt. You know why back when people had, like, 100 children, like, it was nobody's problem? Ugh. ugh. <laughs> um,
0: to make things immediately sad, by this time, four were deceased. Um, and also only three were living at home. Two children were away visiting friends on the night of Saturday, September 30th. So only one child was at the house this night. William was the janitor for their church, was well-liked within the community. They lived in the poor section of town, which at that point was referred to the, quote, colored district.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Mm -hmm. I contemplated not keeping that fact in there, but I think it's important to note the systemic racism that was very apparent in this town.
1: Yeah, especially with any sort of um, murders that could have gone on. That Absolutely. Were totally not heard of, right? Yeah. It's like they just like, got swept under the dust. Exactly. So I.
0: It was like physically painful to say Colored District out loud, but
1: yeah.
0: that's what it was unfortunately called at the time. Um, and they were one of the only white families in the neighborhood, which is interesting to note. Uh, just because of the victimology. So all of the families in this series of murders were white okay so it indicates that they maybe weren't picked at random considering they were one of the only white families in that entire neighborhood yeah now the reverend who was reverend green he was confused and concerned when william hadn't shown up for work sunday morning and this was sunday october 1st 1911 he sent two parishioners to the dawson house to check on william and make sure he wasn't like concerningly ill or something the front door was locked but they did find the back door to be unlocked. All the windows were closed and covered. When they entered the home, they found Georgia, their daughter first, who was the only child home that night. She was further down on the bed, so her head was no longer on her pillow, and she had an arm raised above her head as if she had heard something hidden under her covers. Mm. She was killed with a single blow to the head, and that's when the parishioners called the police when they found her.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: William and Charity were also killed in their bed while they slept by a single blow to the head. Their faces and bodies were covered in bedclothes. Now news quickly spread again. This is a, another small town, but that one of the only white families had been slain in the colored district. Oh,
1: mm-hmm. mm, and the the Fire. Rage.
0: Yes, the police had to control a mob of people in an attempt to prevent rioting, and they were calling for lynching. Mm. Yeah, Aye. it was bad. Um, official documentation of this crime are really difficult to find, um, and or have vanished or did not really exist in the first place. It is known that bloodhounds were able to follow a scent from the house to the nearby railroad tracks. Where a two foot long gas pipe was found covered in blood with hair stuck to it. During a later investigation of the Dawson's fence, where a section had been cut out and in the path the killer had taken to leave, a flashlight was found. On the flashlight were the words Colorado Springs and the date of the Labor Day picnic, September 4th, 1911, was scratched in.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, police eventually gave up on the case in 1911, but three lawyers allegedly cracked the case, accusing a black man named Lovey Mitchell. His only apparent motive was being nice to charity. Yay. He was obviously innocent, and although he unfortunately did spend some time in jail, he was released by the court, and all charges were dropped. That's
1: good. Yes, I was concerned because
0: of the... Yeah, I was concerned because of the riding and lynching that were mentioned, so I looked into Lovey, and he lived with his family until the 1970s, so he was okay, all things considered. Now, moving on, a short time later, to Ellsworth, Kansas. On October 15th, 1911, William Showman, along with his wife and three children, were murdered in their sleep with an axe. Gosh. All the doors and windows were shut, all windows were covered the faces, and the bodies, all hidden with bedclothes. Now this time, the showman's telephone was also covered with a sheet. So things were seemingly escalating a little bit.
1: There's officially a pattern now. Yeah.
0: And then, in Paola, Kansas, I think I'm saying that right? Paola? I hope I'm saying that right. Paola. Um... Roland Hudson and his wife were murdered in their sleep via an axe to the head on June 5th of 1912. So there is, like, a considerable amount of space in between these two, Um, and it's suspected that there are other murders that could have been associated with this, but I'm only mentioning the ones that really follow the for-sure pattern. Right. So then, on July 10th, 1911 going back in time a little bit in there's some confusion as to how this place is pronounced because again I'm am not american um apparently when it was originally settled it was called Rainier but oh, now okay. people in washington say Ray-nier. Rainier Rainier
1: Rainier? I don't know. Probably rain, Rainier. Rain, rainier. <laughs> well, that's our, that's our French-Canadian coming <laughs> in.
0: Um, but there's a possible connection to an earlier murder, which looks like it would have been the first, where Archie and Nettie Cobble were killed in a very similar fashion. Now, this town, like all of the others, was settled originally as a train stop. And although it was farther away from the other locations, it still could have been accomplished along the same train route. Now for the big finale. In Villisca, Illinois, which is very well known specifically for this murder. The victims were Josiah, or Joe, Moore, and his wife Sarah. Their children, Herman, who was 11, Catherine, 10, Boyd, 7, Paul, 5 and two of their friends, Lena Stillinger, who was 12, and Ina, who was 8. On Sunday, June 9th, 1912, the Moore family went to the Children's Day service at their church. Lena and Ina Stillinger were to have a sleepover at the Moore's house after the service. The program ended with a social gathering that ended around 9.30. The family then walked home, ate cookies and milk, and then went to bed.
1: Uh. Hmm. Yeah. Cookies again.
0: Sometime after midnight, the killer picked up an axe from the Moor's yard and entered the house. There was evidence that he watched the house for some time from the barn, as there was an indentation in the hay from someone <laughs> being on it and a knot hole in the wall. The killer walked past all six children and went straight to Joe and Sarah. He killed them with one swing of his axe each to the head. Now, there were marks on the ceiling from where the axe hit as he swung it. Oh. Yeah. Forest
1: but he ball. then
0: methodically went through the rest of the house and killed each child in the same way. Ooh. Then he returned to Joe and Sarah's room. And bludgeoned their heads each twenty to thirty times,
1: oh my gosh, yeah, but and... the kids only once each,
0: oh, we'll get there Ooh. <laughs> before covering their heads with bedclothes, and then he went through systematically again in the same order and bludgeoned all of the children's head as well.
1: Oh my God.
0: now, none of the kids were quite as extensive as the parents, but I mean. Being hit with an axe once is more than enough. Um, never mind going back after they're already dead and Fair. doing it some more. So after that, then he would cover all of them with bedclothes. He then washed the blood off his hands again in a bowl of water. He left the bloody axe leaning against a bedroom wall, helped himself to some food in the kitchen. And then left a four-pound slab of bacon beside the axe. What? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to question in this story. But yeah, that is but one like, of my biggest questions, is, like, why bacon?
1: Like, did right. Well, look. Did so, this, like, family rob his pigs. <laughs> so <laughs> this is what you get for robbing my pigs.
0: Villisca is like really well known for like having pig farms. Yeah. So bacon in Velisca is like a big thing. Um, so it's not that it would be uncommon for a poor, a four-pound slab of bacon to be in someone's house, but it's still weird to just leave it sitting on the floor beside the murder weapon.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, so he then closed and covered all the windows again, but then this time he additionally covered all of the mirrors in the house, too. He didn't want to look at himself. Yeah. So then he took a key, locked the door behind him as he left. It is estimated that he was in the house for four to five hours. Ooh.
1: Yeah. That's super spooky. Right? Oh, my God.
0: Now, there's a lot of, like, people speculating why he covered all these things, because, like, the phone was covered in that other one, and then all the mirrors here, and... Basically any reflective surface, so whether it had been, like, the glass from the windows, even, like, if there was a piece of glass in a door, he would cover that. Mm -hmm. Um, So people would think either he didn't want to look at himself afterwards, or he was afraid of the spirits of the people he had just killed.
1: Yeah, I was just about to say that, because some people see things in the mirror, right? Yeah. At least back then, if spirits were a thing. If spirits, come on. (laughs) You know. You never know, but the story that I have, you won't question it very much anymore.
0: (laughs) Now, a house with so many children is hardly quiet at any time. So when a neighbor noticed no one had stirred yet the next morning, and it was well into the morning, the concerned neighbor called Joe's brother. So using his key to enter the home, he soon returned to the porch where the neighbor waited and told her there was a dead soul in every bed. The marshal was called, and he, along with at least three doctors, plus over a hundred random townsfolk, went through the house to look at the scene. Which is always the best thing for forensics.
1: Oh my god, oh my god. Yeah, because everyone's probably touching everything.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And this was, like, pretty common for most of the murder scenes. Because there wasn't, like, a huge, like, there wasn't, like, a strong, like, police force like we have now. Um, So, a lot of the time it was just one dude. um, And then, like, some doctors and stuff. So, and there was no protocol for evidence and crime scenes and stuff. Um, Like, in Villisca, like, there was no crime. And even by the time they got to the
1: house, they, they, he would have hightailed it out of there. Like, he was probably in another state by then.
0: Well, funny you mention that. Ooh. Ooh! A traveling minister had been at the church service the night prior, who had known mental health problems and had spent some time in an institution. He had even been convicted of sending obscene material through the mail. Now, it's not that I just refused to say what it was that he sent through the mail, but the judge at the time refused to repeat it aloud in the courtroom because it was too obscene. So know. there are no actual historical records of what that oh, was. Oh,
1: no, I want to know.
0: Right? <laughs> um, now He was one of the few main suspects, and his name was Reverend Kelly. He was seen boarding a train leaving Villisca around 5.30 a.m., where he told other passengers there were eight dead souls there, but the bodies hadn't even been found yet. Hmm. He later confessed to the crime after some extensive questioning, but then recanted his confession during trial. He was eventually acquitted in November 1917. 1917. Wow. Mm -hmm. So, there was an oil lamp with the chimney removed and the wick bent in half found under a chair. An anthropologist and private investigator has a theory that since in most of the murders, there was also a similar candle situation. And the unsub performed his killing blow first to each victim, then lit a candle and dimmed it so as not to attract attention, set it on the floor or under a chair to further dim the light, and then would watch his work as he covered the faces, or possibly bludgeoned them again, but then cover the windows, clean up, eat, etc. So, yeah, so this anthropologist um, thinks that that was part of his actual ritual and going through it so rather than some people speculated that like yeah like it was dark he would have to see so he turned on an oil lamp and like walked through the house but he's like no he's swinging an axe around he doesn't have a hand free yeah but no one will ever know for sure um so there may be up to 10 possible massacres by the same person the pattern was pointed out in 1913 by Special Agent Matthew McClory of the Justice Department Bureau of Investigation. Wow. The original suspect that Matthew had in mind for the killing, um, by today's standards, would not have been considered a suspect because all of his motives would have been greed, so there would have been robbery involved, and nothing was ever taken other than a husky or, in the one case, a flashlight. Oh, my gosh. Now, to today. A couple bought the Velasca house in 1994 and turned it into, I don't want to say museum, but they changed the decor back to how it would have been at the turn uh. of the century. They even removed the plumbing for the bathroom. Um, you said... So people can go through the house and take ghost tours or, you know, try to see the crime scene for themselves. Um, Because Villisca has, even though it's a very small town, people have flooded the place wanting to get a look or try to stay. So they actually uh, charge $400 a night. No way. If you
1: want to stay there, yep. Even today, like, what about COVID?
0: Well, presumably not during COVID, but... Mm. Um, yeah, so they have, like, this wall of photos that people have taken when they're there. So there's photos of strange orbs that aren't easily explained away by light flares. There are toy balls that suddenly end up being spaced out but in a perfectly straight line along the floor. Uh, there's this one photo of a guy with these weird swollen scratch marks on his back between his shoulder blades, but it's at such an unlikely angle that it would have been really hard for him to do it himself. Yeah. Now, I'm, like, the person who took the photo may have done it. Yeah.
1: yeah. But. It's very it likely that look, he didn't.
0: Yeah. It's mm. very likely that he definitely didn't do that to himself. Um, And then, November 7th, 2014, a man stabbed himself in the chest during an overnight stay at 12.45am, which is approximately the time that the murder would have happened, and he had to be airlifted to a hospital.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Um, So, the townspeople there are, a lot of them are really tired of people going around they want to be known for something other than that place where 10 people were massacred or eight people sorry um but there was actually a really good documentary that they put together that came out in 2004 so it's nice that it, it actually included a lot of people from the town to actually show some of the town's history before this happened and they talked about um like how the town was operating and things like that and how it had progressed and what that night would have looked like back then from the eyes of the actual townspeople. And they had interviews of some of the children that were there. Um a lot of them passed away from early to mid two thousands, but because of when it was filmed they actually got to film and interview some of the people that were there.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. is is just insane to think about but yeah so goosebumps i left out a lot of the more disturbing details oddly enough um but if anyone is interested uh that documentary is actually very informative um the wikipedia page has a lot of incorrect facts (laughs)
1: Most times it does. But I mean, yeah, it's Wikipedia, yeah. so it's Wikipedia.
0: be careful what you read. <laughs> um, but yeah, so people have been starting to clue these things together and try to find the actual facts around this. There have been I think it was either 2014 or 2016 um, like a horror movie, like a B-rated horror movie came out about the Velisca house um, and a lot of ghost hunters have done stories in that house as well, but it's definitely a place with a haunted past and apparently a very haunted present.
1: Ooh. I can see that, mm-hmm. especially if people are spooked enough to go there overnight. Absolutely. Or, yeah. and stab themselves in the chest. Ugh. And unknown scratch marks on your back. Yep. Yeah, no thanks. Ew. Yeah. Oh. That was a good one. <laughs> Mm, nothing like a good
0: old axe murderer to get the night going
1: <laughs> oh yeah i'm not gonna have nightmares at all <laughs> all right are you ready for mine yes okay this is a good one uh lake shawnee amusement park so anybody before covid loves amusement parks you know wonderland's such a great thing you know six flags is thing i've never been but i've been to wonderland and i loved it so why not throw a little bit of Haunting or disturbing facts into a amusement park to to get yourself riled up, right?
0: I'm excited. My dad used to tell me uh, he knew someone who did all the safety tests for the rides at Wonderland, and so every time I would go, he would tell me what rides failed the safety test that year. <laughs> Was it the sledgehammer? Because that one is down every year, every year. Um, I don't. I know he told me Drop Zone failed every single year.
1: Oh, Jesus. <laughs>
0: And I'm well, like, I oh, yeah, on
1: it anyway. no problem. No problem. <laughs> yeah, I went on it anyway. Fall to my death. It's fine. It's now, fine. that being said, Wonderland, don't sue me. Wonderland, I'm sure your rides are yeah. good. Wonderland, I love you. I do. Yeah, I do. I love you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I still went Wonderland. on your rides. Actually, funny story before I begin I was about to ride Behemoth. I'm next in line. And we're waiting for the cart to roll up. And so you kind of see the front of the cart. You know, it's yellow or red <laughs> or whatever. They're multicolored. But one thing you just distinctly remember seeing is just, like, just a lot of stuff. Like, it looked like they hit paint. And you're like, why is there paint on the front of the cart? Oh, no. Was it vomit? No. Oh, okay. Because we always like maybe to someone just the had, front. like, cotton candy vomit or something. <laughs> yeah. But, like, because it was the front, that was, like, the best seat. You were the first to see over, right? Why? Yeah, you're just over, hanging there. You're hanging it. there. It was amazing. But sure enough, they start coming in. And this guy's going, like, he's shaking his hands, and he's, like, spitting out whatever. (laughs) I'm like, what happened? And then, sure enough, they roll up even closer, and I get a better glimpse. There's feathers everywhere, (gasps) too. They hit a seagull. Oh, no. (laughs) And I was mortified. Uh, Let's just say I just skipped the cart, and I went down the stairs. I'm like. Bye! Oh, no. <laughs> His shirt was covered in blood and guts from the bird. That would have hurt, too. If it hit him, yes. Luckily, it just hit Ugh. the front of the cart and splattered oh, upwards. But still disgusting.
0: So bad. I feel for that guy. Like that poor bird, but also, ooh, no thanks.
1: Yep, yep. So watch out for birds when you're going on high uh, roller coaster, friends. Well, ooh.
0: lovely. All <laughs>
1: right. So that's my little fun personal tale okay lake Lake shawnee amusement park so this one is in west virginia located in princeton it has been open since 1926 um but like that alone is creepy in detail something that's been open since 1926 is known to probably be haunted um so the land in the early 1700s was native land so the tribe shawnee um, was known to have this land mind you they didn't live on this land but they they were using it um, but there was also another tribe there that wasn't exactly described or named or anything like that Shawnee tribe was like the biggest one so uh, in late 1775 um, Mitchell Clay was the first English settler known as um, Mercy County originally called Clover Bottom which I actually really found funny um and then left. No, right? Laugh. <laughs> right yeah you're like clover <laughs> uh 1774 um clay received a crown grant from lord dunmore for his partici- for his participation in uh dunmore's war so he gets all this money he's like what am i going to do with this oh well look at this piece of land
0: i'm going to go over here with all this money i have let's steal someone else's property basically
1: classic white people. So, moved his family there, 14 children included. Again, what's up with people? 14 children? Oh, yeah. 14 children. No, thank you. I'm like, at one point, did people just have, like, 20, and then it just kept going down from there, and now we have singles? (laughs) (sighs) Well, I mean,
0: obviously there's, like, birth control, and
1: so many things. Well, back then they—I guess they also but... used sheep intestine for condoms. <laughs>
0: Ew! I didn't know
1: that. Oh yeah, it was fun fact. Uh, Are yeah. you
0: ready to have our you know date uh, night so... or
1: whatever? I brought the intestines. <laughs> you want to get little frisky? <laughs> <laughs> Come here, bah! <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no. <laughs> And sure enough they uh do what any good settlers will do. They made a farm out of it, you know, have some chickens harvest some land that kind of thing um but then there was obviously this uh just dis- you know disputed or even just a fight with the native people because they basically they upright and this is mine, and they're like, yo, no, like we use this land this is this is sacred land. you can't use this, but sure enough just like history books will tell you they stole it right out of their hands or but, refused to tell you but yes <laughs> right unfortunately but sure enough the tribe was not going to quit that easily so they warned them they basically said you know you better watch out um, mm-hmm. bad things are coming your way because you're you're trespassing on sacred land here so then sure enough um 1783, Shawnee Tribe attacked two of the Clay children, so stabbed them, and then took one and burned them at the stake. Ooh. Yeah. So that was aggressive, you know, notice that they were showing that they weren't kidding around. Um. So sure enough, uh, the mom saw what happened. She goes over to the next-door neighbors, uh, but during that happening, um, the one brother actually witnessed um, the kids being brutally murdered. And the wife saw and she goes, you need to go help them. And he runs off. So sure enough, the tribe takes another son. And the mother runs back to the house. Mitchell, the father, he comes home to find an empty house. The mom is gone. Because she went back to the neighbor's house. And all he hear sees is like a bloody front lawn and then like his kids like lying there and he's like
0: what is going on here right it's not covered in chills just right
1: um kind of your 14 children where- and wife are missing and there's just blood everywhere blood is <laughs> everywhere so then um sure enough like nothing really happens for a few years obviously there's a dispute but they haven't really come in contact. They stay far away on their own land for a bit. Um, so then, uh, let's see. I have to scroll down. All these notes. As soon as you find some good research or, like, even YouTube videos, you're like, type, 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 type. It was so hard. Um, I was so
0: tempted to just, like, go into every single detail about every single murder. <laughs> <Nope>. Right?
1: Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, sure enough, um, like, years later in today's date, like, the the mom and Mitchell Clay buried their kids. They made a burial site, and they had stones and everything there for them, and they are still standing to this day. So, you know where they're buried. People can go see them. Because of the tension between the tribe and the family members, it didn't mean that Mitchell Clay was giving up without a fight. So, he basically would take native people tear and cut their skin off their back and use them as straps
0: oh my god
1: yeah i was was gonna ask there's
0: no way that you just walk up and burn a child at the stake i was like there had to be something some kind of back and forth
1: yeah Oh, Ooh, that's so disgusting. bad. So bad. I had chills when I read that. I was like, that really happened. Mm. People are, yep. So then, sure enough, uh, they did that. It's like back and forth with them. Um, one of the clay children that was burnt at stake, obviously there is no remains to be found, so it's mm-hmm. just known that there's just kind of this, Entity there now where people mm-hmm. just feel uneasy. Sorry, you so. said entity and your cat booked it out of your room. <laughs> and now this is why I don't do crime podcasts or scary shit because watch the door's <laughs> gonna like fly close and I'm gonna die. So <laughs> battery's tweaking and he found catnip somewhere. So, <laughs> um, okay, so moving on later on, um, In 1927, a man named Conley Snydo bought the land and built an amusement park. So this is the first amusement park that was built. He wanted to liven up the place, even though it had a dark history, which is fair. Like, (laughs) why not? Um, What are you going to do when you grow up? Well, you see, there's this
0: land and white people stole it. But then there was like a back and forth and a lot of people were
1: tortured and died. And I'm just going to liven up the place. I'm just going to lighten up the place. It's 1927. We're, you know, we're grooving and uh, we like to party and drink and gamble. So he goes, why not have the kids there too? We'll have swings and a water slide and pools and like speakeasies and gambling. And by the way, those pools, you'd be having a wool bathing suit. And you could rent one for 25 cents. I forgot bathing suits were made of wool. Yeah, so that was a fun thing. Um, So between the time the amusement park opened until 1966, six deaths happened at that amusement park. Yikes. So um, Conley's daughter was apparently crushed by an elevator. She was running for the doors and she got crushed. Like between the doors? (laughs) Yep. And then it went down and crushed her even more. Because, you know... Mechanical stuff back then. Not very mm-hmm. trustworthy. Mm-mm. Um,
0: That's July. something that should be on Final Destination.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure they probably put that in there. Oh, probably. Right? Cool. Um, July 2nd, 1966. A kid drowned in the pool. Um, Sad, but it happens. It happens. So that was like the first, like, okay, these things can happen. Maybe we'll just keep an eye on the kids. Mm-hmm. This was before water wings and, you know life guards <laughs> and uh you know life saving protocols in place for you know mm-hmm. water um but then sure enough another boy drowns in the lake no one knew that he was even down there oh no one knew that even a kid was swimming until somebody was swimming along and they brushed up against him at the bottom of the oh. pool cuz what they think happened was that he got sucked into the drain and he couldn't get out. Like, as long by his as your leg dream or something. that it sucks in children. Yeah. Ugh. Can you imagine, like, just swimming and then feeling like, what is that? And you're touching it, and you're like, I
0: oh, you mean,
1: like, every time I swim in the lake back home? <laughs> when you feel like those
0: weedy things, you're like, please don't, like, grab like, me. <laughs> hmm, is it seaweed?
1: Is it a uh, fish? <laughs> is it garbage? Oh, so bad. Um, And then in 1966, again, they didn't put a month, but I'm assuming it was probably the summertime because what better things to do in the summertime than go to an amusement park? Mm -hmm. And you know those awesome round swing sets and they just twirl and they're so nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Kids just go on a swing ride. Sure enough, they were getting a delivery that day and a truck pulled up. And they had to reverse, but I guess they were reversing quite fast, and they ended up hitting her so fast that she basically just, just shot, like, blood everywhere. So, like, backed into the ride, while in motion, hit, oh, good, good, Yeah, good, 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 good. So, she was just completely done immediately. So, the
0: really tall swings now that they have at amusement parks is a safety feature not a scare feature
1: right (laughs) right and we're talking like if you've ever seen those creepy carnival rides with like the white horses on them we're talking a carousel like like almost like that but like these were literally made of chain and wood Mm -hmm. so obviously the safety was not there (laughs) um Sure enough, uh, the amusement park closed in 1966 after all of these deaths mm-hmm. of these children. Clay was basically saying, like, well, my daughter was the first to die here. I know what it feels like, and now five other kids have died here. Don't feel so good. Should probably close the park. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, a book called "A Haunted, uh, Haunted America by Dave Thompson. He said there were even more deaths that people didn't even know about. Yeah. So he just kind of goes into that little bit because that was basically like four of them and it's like, what happened to the other two? So a lot of them were either another drowning and it started to become like, why are these kids drowning? But at now, like they should know better than, especially it's in the communication now with the whole community where don't Bailey. let your kids swim alone Ow. now, especially at Bailey this place. just jumped into my lap. <laughs> <laughs> dogs jumping cuz she's scared now, see? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the animals know. They know. Um so then uh another little girl ended up falling out of a swing and died. A gambler was killed over money. So it was like, how many more? Um so then 1980s. Well, let's just say like Clay was like, okay, we're done with this. We're mm-hmm. going to move on. Uh, 1980s Gaylord White, alongside with a guy that he worked with at the amusement park, um, buys the land, and he wants to make it even better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to live it up this place again because this guy probably did it wrong. We're going to try again. Okay, by all means. You got the money to do it. Why not? He buys these swings, and get this. They have the same serial number as the swings that were originally there. <gasps> that in alone, it's eerie. Oh, so my goodness. People have this theory, just like antiques, things are drawn to places.
0: Mm-hmm. They have
1: a history. They have something connected to that. His thoughts were exactly, I have to get these swings. They're the same serial number. They belong at this amusement park. We're going to take them. So then, sure enough, he has a Ferris wheel and everything. Then insurance rate skyrocket because of the known deaths that happened there. And he's only charging like a dollar for admission. So obviously he's losing money than he's making. So the family changes it up and uh, decides doing like mud bogging. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically off-roading in mud. Super, super fun. Um, And then fishing tournaments and everything like that. So of course they have to get the space ready for mud bogging and fishing tournaments. And they come across all of these artifacts. So, we're talking arrowheads, pots, you know, things that the tribe would have used. Mm -hmm. And so, they bring in a historian, and the historians start digging up. They're starting to be careful, but they start bringing up human remains. And sure enough, these human remains are children and what they believe to be elderly. So, that alone Mm -hmm. think an outbreak might have happened. Mm-hmm. Where it affected young children and the elderly. Mm-hmm. So hence the Shawnee land was sacred burial land. And people always talk about it like these sacred burial native lands that are haunted. And I well, they're sacred for a reason. <laughs> right? Like <sighs> what the hell? <laughs> what the coincidence, right? So at that point they found close to three thousand children and elderly people. Um it was basically sacred burial ground, like they, Like I said. Um, by the mid-1990s, we're starting to get to our age now. I was born in 92, so I was like, oh, someone did more. Another person came in. Uh, the Kern family actually just lived on the land. The whites, they just hung out, and they're like, okay, well, we'll try and figure this out. We'll get rid of the human remains. Historians have picked them up, and we're going to just try and take care of the land. Now, so what about, like, the-
0: because, like, the, all of those remains were members of that tribe, so, like, are they being returned to the tribe, or-
1: Yeah, at that point, there wasn't a lot of information. It's just sad to see, like, a tribe just completely vanished out of, basically, thin air, just because settlers decided to be like, you know what? This is mine. Your will- you know, your living is gonna be abolished, so- The Nair, a.k.a. white people. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So then, uh, mid-1990s, the current family lives on the land. Uh, They open up for spooky visits, haunted tours, Halloween tours, history tours, and they still offer this to this day. Even through COVID, I think they do, like, virtual stuff, or uh, even if you do go there, you can do, like, the outdoor tours, and they'll tell you about the land, which is super fascinating. Wow. People that have visited there, um, YouTubers, uh, people who post on the internet, they were basically saying that they're drawn to a particular swing. So everything, all of the rides are still actually on the land as well. So we're talking the Ferris wheel, the swing set, it's still standing and it's overgrown with weeds and vines. Just to make it creepier. It just has that creepy vibe to it, but as soon as people visit, they are drawn to this particular swing and sure enough it's the swing that that little girl got crushed by the truck just by the numbers and the serial numbers so they looked it up and they're like oh my gosh these both match that's insane um on ghost lab uh, i don't know if anybody's seen that tv series but um there was actually a person on set that got trapped in the ticket booth And she said it locked behind her, but there are no locks on the door. And she, by the time they got her out, she was so frozen, they had to take her to the hospital. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. Um, And then, sure enough, it's been featured on ghost documentary films, including The Scariest Places on Earth. Mm-hmm. um which actually the set refused to do any sort of nighttime filming because they felt sick every time they stepped on the land during the night oh my goodness yeah like they felt physically ill and at some point people were vomiting so they're like we're just gonna do this during the day <sighs> um let's see oh yeah and then Gaylord White said uh the- I think it would be junior because it would have been his son that took over after his dad died. So there's Gaylord Sr. Gaylord Jr. and then Chris was his brother. Mm-hmm. Um he said he would always feel like there was someone watching him um, and to the point where he actually he was working on the land. He was either doing some sort of planting or lawn mowing. He was on a tractor mm-hmm. and he feels like there's someone like touching him. Mm -hmm. And he looks around, and all of a sudden he sees a little girl, an apparition Mm -hmm. of a little girl, so he says. And she's covered in blood, she's wearing a pink dress, and at that point he's just frozen in fear. He gets off the tractor, and to this day, the tractor is still there. He put a boulder in front of it so nobody could move it, because he basically said, Fine, this little girl wants a tractor, I'm getting the fuck off. Amen. I would do the same thing. Right. It's like, nope, it's yours. You can have it. You can have it. You can have it. You keep it. It's fine. So sure Um, enough, there's right. (laughs) Oh, sure enough, there's been mentions of hearing carnival music, smelling popcorn, Mm -hmm. hearing voices when none of that is actually happening right now. It's literally just for tours and stuff. They don't sell any carnival food. (laughs) Um. Local historian, um, actually visited the park as a little girl, and she was describing her experience as she felt like she was being pulled by somebody, like somebody had arm, like their hands wrapped around her leg or ankle, oh my and goodness. she's just like, I think that's how that little boy died. There, there's a whole conspiracy now that they think, like, there are spirits down there, that need to bring you down, right, and just yep. you're done, and so. Yeah, don't swim in a pond that's been yeah. on sacred burial land. Don't, yeah, don't fuck with burial land. Oh, yeah. Uh, Which, like, you should did. go
0: without saying, but... Right? Also, right. because ghosts.
1: <laughs> because ghosts. Ghosts <laughs> have, actually, apparently, the, like, energy field to do things and move stuff, so it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I can see it happening, that they would affect human beings, right? Absolutely. Uh, local psychics say that they feel awful when they get close to the water there. So there's another point that that water is just no good. Um, Mm -hmm. Gaylord Jr. mentioned that swings would move dramatically and you would see the little girl covered in blood. She would walk in, walk away. Like she would just Mm -hmm. kind of float within the mist. And some people would be like, well, of course the swing's going to move. There's like, you know, a breeze coming through. Um, but he goes, no, like, I would put my hand over the swing as it was still, and you would see it go ding, ding, and then com- come to a complete stop. Oh, my God. And then come to a complete stop. So, obviously, wind doesn't really work that way, but if anybody has no. an explanation, I'd be open. <sighs> um. Uh, One YouTube video, I don't know if you've ever heard of her. Her name's Chris Starr. She did a paranormal investigation um video on there and she was actually the one youtuber that was able to catch kids laughing apparitions in the filming other noises moving objects right like a lot of creepy stuff and she was one of the only ones that could really get all of that information or like even that footage Mm -hmm. um which was really really cool to see um so now yeah it's totally overgrown eerie looking Perfect place to go if you want just a bit of a creep fest. Um, I just want to take
0: pictures of the old rides.
1: <laughs> right? So um, there are theories that if you're near sacred land that you're not supposed to be near, or if it's been some sort of just bad mojo, bad voodoo, something bad happened here, it's known to affect people's health. Mm -hmm. which I didn't know that was a thing. So if you live in a Victoria, let's say, yeah, let's say if you moved into Lizzie Borden's house, people have had experiences of like even walking in there and feeling ill. So imagine Mm -hmm. actually living on this land for like the amount of years that this family had two decades, really. Right. For sure. Um, And just like the health concerns. So that was a big thing I wanted to dive into. And sure enough, Gaylord senior died of cancer. Gaylord Jr. died of a heart attack. Massive heart attack. But get this. In the total years that he lived there, he suffered 26 heart attacks. Holy shit. And died of one massive heart attack. So the amount of times he probably got spooked could have triggered a heart attack. Mm -hmm. Or it could have been genetics, too. But, I mean, 26. How could you survive after 26? Oh,
0: my goodness.
1: Like, I realize we're not heart doctors, but no.
0: that is
1: yeah, little... I don't
0: even have words to describe how
1: unnerving that is. A little interesting. Um, and then in twenty fourteen, uh, Gaylord's wife Jewel, uh she offered the haunted carnival tourist attraction for the public to keep in- interest in the property. So she kept it going after her husband died. Um, so she was just like happy that she could have at least visitors because she's living on that land alone currently. She's still living. She's not alone. There's a little girl with bloody clothes. Oh kids yeah. At a lake. <laughs> and there'll be times when people are like laughing at a picture that she hung up or something that's been there for over the time the land has been and, you know, settlers names. Mm-hmm. Um but sure enough, like when people go and visit, they'll laugh at it and you can hear a little girl laughing with you, apparently. Which is super eerie, so I can only, like, just, the giggle. (laughs) No, thank you. Um, visitors have also, uh, say they experience feelings of being pushed or shoved in different, um, angles or even directions. Um, there's been one experience from, uh, a poster or a visitor that was there, and he was walking down towards the lake, and sure enough, it almost felt like he was being hugged like this, and he couldn't move his arms, so they were right at his side. But he had a sense of calmness when that happened, happened, and he didn't feel restricted. It was just basically don't walk any further. Because as soon as he was pulled that way, he he didn't feel any sort of cold, but he definitely knew if he were to step forward, there was something really bad, like, in front of him. Interesting. So he's thinking maybe it was the little girl's ghost, maybe it was other spirits that were keeping him from going into this like bad sort of mm-hmm. energy, paranormal activity. Um, and then sure enough, um, uh, Jewel Gaylord's wife, she, um, sometimes she'll question herself. She did this in an interview. She said she would question herself if she's running the park as her husband would have liked it. Is she doing the right thing by keeping it open?
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: of these questions are kind of like filled in her brain. Until one night, she's looking at the security footage of the Ferris wheel, which her husband was obsessed with, making sure that it was locked and nobody mm-hmm. could really get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, sure enough, she's looking at the security footage, and all you see on one of the seats is the lock go, punk, and she's like, "That's him," because he was always there fiddling with him. It was the sense of, oh, "Okay, maybe man. I am doing the right thing." <laughs> um, so she's still doing what she's doing and she knows that like she's probably doing the right thing um but i definitely want to go and visit this place i really want to experience what other people say they experience um just on a little bit of a skeptic view but at the same time like i want i want to see i want to see the things (laughs) like you want to be skeptic because of course people
0: make up things all the time to like feel included or you know like they saw something yeah, but one hundred percent real, one hundred percent for sure. Like I would but. love to stay in the Valeska house just to see.
1: Oh
0: yeah, even I want to see the toys moving around. I want to oh. play with kids. That's what yeah. the owner of the Valeska house actually says. Like, yeah, people come and play and like stay the night and play with the kids. And I'm like, pardon? Oh yeah, invisible
1: children. They they play with them. And just, like, all of these paranormal investigators that go in and they're just like, yeah, we just want to hang out with them. We feel bad that they're alone here and stuck here. Like, what's yeah. going on? And even with all of these psychics that go and visit, too, and they say that they feel ill, it's almost like it's a barrier from them helping these other spirits that are trapped there. Yeah. So. But it would be also interesting to see the artifacts that they dug up. And to see if there's any sort of connection um, with other... Tribes that could have Mm -hmm. been associated with the Shawnee tribe um that was another yeah I would love to hear
0: some insight from like neighboring tribes that know anything about that history
1: yeah for sure but that was my spooky tale well I'm sufficiently terrified Um... (laughs) I'm not going to sleep tonight (laughs) I'm just going to get drunk and then maybe I'll just pass out no ghost will get me there (laughs) uh Well, Rush Hour, the
0: original Rush Hour, is currently on Netflix now. (gasps) That's right. I love Rush Hour.
1: Or Dude, Where's My Car? (laughs) That's on there. And you better believe I've watched that three times now. Wow. Since Disney added Star.
0: (laughs) I have to get at least some sleep at some point tonight before I stand in line for three hours for the vaccine tomorrow.
1: I know. Oh my gosh, I booked mine for Friday.
0: Your next Friday.
1: Yeah, there were no times available. And plus, I wanted to get it on the weekend or a Friday so that if if any side effects were to happen, then I'm well prepared. But I don't think anything right. will happen.
0: Yeah, I booked mine for when... Um, so I was supposed to get married tomorrow, pre-COVID.
1: That's right. Yeah, oh. so I booked my heavy vaccine heart, for heavy heart. when
0: my first look would have been.
1: Mm. So it's like, still a good day. I Still a X This is great. Yeah. yeah. This is towards you being able to have all of that. Exactly. Seeing everybody
0: smiles. Just an open bar. That would be nice.
1: That'd be amazing. <laughs> amazing. Well that was a successful episode one. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Yeah. Stay tuned for
0: what horrors we have for you next.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna try and come up with some more stuff and be a better reader. I'm terrible at reading out loud anyway.
0: I but. get too excited in my brain and forget all of the things I want to say until later when I remember them, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot all of these other creepy facts that I remembered.
1: <laughs> and then it comes out like verbal diarrhea, and it's totally <laughs> unorganized, and it just comes out, and we're like, wait a second. What happened? <laughs> that's on my, that's my end. I don't know about you.
0: <laughs> well, I love hearing your verbal diarrhea.
1: Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Usually people do, I think. Hopefully. <laughs> oh, All right. God. Well, I'm going to
0: eat comfort ice cream. And no
1: cookies and milk. Uh, No. Nope. And Not it's going to be a while before I have any sort of carnival food. do, 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 Yes, <laughs> I